Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, it's Brendan Escott here steering things home on Oilers Now. It is the Oilers and Philadelphia Flyers tonight on 6.30. Chad, an early one. Coverage only two hours away. Reed Wilkins tees it up with the City Ford Face-Off show at 3.30. Puck drop from the Wells Fargo Centre at 5. Uh, we had the Oilers Now prospect report there, and I was yammering away and yammering away. And, in fact, the Warriors did play the Oil King. Last night, I'm a day behind, and they beat them, doubled them up. Three, uh, six, three was the final score there. So there you go. All right, NHL insider John Shannon joins us twice a week for our friends at Legacy Heating and Cooling. Whether it's heating or cooling you need, get it with no payments, no interest for a year. That's how you build a legacy. Legacy Heating and Cooling. Uh, I've got a feeling that John might be international right now, only because of the weird tone that I got when I called him. But uh, joining us here, John, how how are you doing today? I'm having a great time. I, I, and now I think it's official and Christopher has ignored me or avoiding me. Uh, is that the worst thing in the world for you or are you enjoying the break? Well, actually, you know what? Come to think of it, it might be a nice, <laughs> it, it might be as good as a holiday, Brendan. It <laughs> might be go. as good as a holiday. I promise to keep the intelligent questions coming. And first and foremost, we better talk about this uh, first trade to break. Frank Saravalli reporting earlier today that Vlad Tarasenko is on his way to Broadway, uh, suiting up with the New York Rangers sooner rather than later. We knew he was likely to be on the move, but I'm a little bit surprised to see the Rangers step up there, considering they were at least rumored to be around the Patrick Kane talks and some other players. So uh, why do you think that Tarasenko ultimately is a good fit there and that this move went down? Well, I, listen, there, there are some obvious uh, comparisons. You know darn well that Panarin and Tarasenko, who have been lifelong buddies, uh, would get along. And Because uh, I, I still remember Tarasenko and Panarin you know, comparing contracts when they first came over from uh, Russia to play in the NHL. Now, the other thing is, is that, and I think we've seen this in the last couple of days with Patrick Kane being quoted, is that he's still going through the process. He's still trying to figure out what he wants to do. And the New York Rangers are in a in a dogfight. Uh, the, the, the faster you can get a star of Tarasenko's level or Kane's level, for that matter, in your lineup, uh, you're going to be more effective in the long run. The Metro is a tough division. And to have that firepower in your lineup on a nightly basis from now until March 3rd is a bonus. 
And obviously this cements St. Louis's status as a seller, and we know that the likes of Barbashev, Ryan O'Reilly could be on the move, and, and potentially others. Nico Mikola was a piece, but he goes to New York in that deal. He'll be a nice hard-to-play-against defender for them as well. Um, overall, this kind of it puts the Rangers firmly in the conversation at the top of the Eastern Conference, and I wonder what the ripple effect of this might be for a team like Carolina, a team like Boston or, or any other, Tampa Bay for that matter, or Toronto looking to put themselves over against now even further solidified competition. Yeah, and, and the, the thing is, I don't think it really guarantees them very much, though, Brendan. When you consider how good Carolina has been, I, you know, how good New Jersey has been, let's face it, the Rangers for the first half of the season, the first 40 games of the season might have been one of the disappointments of the NHL. We all expected them to be at the top of the division and the top of the conference, and they haven't been. Everybody else has been better. The Boston Bruins, of course, the Boston Bruins surprised us all. Uh, but it, it, at the same time, Chris Drury knew he had to do something, you know, and, uh, you know, the, the you know, Makala being part of it too, you know as well as I do, if you go three rounds into the playoffs, three deep, uh, you're going to need nine or ten defensemen anyway, because just that's just the, the attrition of, of the physical play of the playoffs. So this doesn't guarantee the Rangers anything, but it does probably allay the few few fears of what's going on at MSG to say, hey, we better make sure we get past the Devils in the first round because it certainly looks like that, and then we can figure out who we're going to play from them. In upstate New York, John, earlier this week, Dylan Cousins, who we're well uh, well familiar with here from being a Western Hockey League veteran, he gets his bag seven years times $7.1 million on a breakout. He's nearly a point-per-game centerman this season. Uh, suddenly, Buffalo's got their two centermen locked up for a reasonable price tag. I believe they're under $13 million between him and Tage Thompson, if I'm not mistaken. That is a quite the value and I think it speaks to uh, quite the culture change that we've seen in Buffalo and I think a culture change in the NHL Brendan I, I think that culture changes you don't pay for what you've done you're pay, you pay for what you're going to do uh, and at what point I mean uh, seven times seven at what point do people look at the cousins contract and say hey it's a bargain you know that that's one of those things that take and, and, and let's face it People are looking at Tage Thompson now thinking he's a bargain. So from that perspective, uh, you, you know, uh, Craig Adams does deserve, Kevin Adams rather deserves a, a great deal of credit for being ahead of the curve and being aggressive at times. You know, he's, we all wondered what kind of job he would do as the general manager of the Sabres, but he really has done a magnificent job in managing what this team is all about ever since the Eichel trade and to prove to everybody what was going on in Buffalo. And having Cousins under contract, uh, you mentioned Thompson under contract. You know, they've got a bright young defensive core with Darlene and Power. Uh, they are, they're going to be reckoned with. But they still need to figure out what they're going to do long-term goaltending-wise because they haven't spent much money on goaltenders. Um, and maybe Lukanen is the answer. But at the same time, that's something that will be interesting to follow. Maybe not at the deadline, but maybe in the summertime for the Sabres. What are they going to do in goal? 
Yeah, somebody to bridge the gap there. If Lukanen's that guy, and he's gone on stretches this year, I think where he had six or seven straight wins, so he he could be, you know, if this is in fact the real deal. But it seems to me that their prized possession in net could be a few years away, and that's Devin Levi out of uh, Northeastern University in uh, NCAA, and they talk and, and a lot about and him. No, and there's no, and you know as well as I do, no way. And Levi has, you know, he's got a great resume when it comes to Team Canada. But um, goaltenders aren't a given anymore. And goaltenders mature at different rates than defensemen and forwards. And so that's a real challenge for any talking team is trying to cement what they need to do in goal. I mean, look, look what's happened around the league in signing contracts, un, you know, you know, unrestricted contracts for goaltenders. Guys are usually 26 or 27 before they get that opportunity, like really do so. So from that perspective... What the Sabres do in goal is going to be one to watch for a few two more years. What's interesting to me now on this topic is what ha- happens with uh, Thatcher Demko, if anything, in Vancouver. Because if this if this team is is going to try to rebuild, he's the type of goaltender who's good enough that he might prevent you from really getting toward the bottom of the standings if if that is management's ultimate goal. Uh, and yet, this is the type of goaltender that I don't think you would ever be comfortable trading away. So where do you think Vancouver is at in terms of their own future and goal with this, uh, you know, potentially being the maximum return of Demko, though we haven't seen him play this year, really? No, we haven't. And Well, we, when we did see him play, he wasn't very good. Uh, that was one of the big challenges. So he, he's about 10 or 10 days or 14 days away from, from playing again, uh, which is uh, fortunate for the Canucks if they do intend to trade him at the deadline. I keep hearing... You know, just through the grapevine, I keep hearing the Los Angeles Kings are catching tires on Demko. Whether that's legitimate or not, we'll be uh, we'll, we'll 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 have to come to see. Because let's face it, the uh, the Kings, uh, who have one of the great stories of all time right now, and Phoenix Copley doing what he what he's done, you have to wonder when that story will come to an end. And then the, Jonathan Quick's just. You know, he, he, how many times can he capture the glory? Mm-hmm. And a guy they have at $4.5 million a year, Cal Peterson, is playing in the American League. So th- there's obviously a goaltending issue in Los Angeles that needs to be addressed somehow. Um, and as far as Vancouver goes, I, I really do think that, you know, the fresh eyes of Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford have looked at what this roster is all about. They obviously put a price tag on full Horvat's value to the club wouldn't be prepared to match it, what the Islanders were doing. And you, you, the thing you wonder is, have they put the same eyeballs in, and what Demko could do in the short term versus long term for them? Let's face it, last year, when Bruce went behind the bench, one of the biggest reasons why the Canucks got close to the playoffs was because of Thatcher Demko. And, and you know, is that something you want as you really attempt this rebuild in Vancouver? Do you want a quality goaltender for the next two or three years as you rebuild or do you want to uh, do you want to stay closer to the bottom chatting with our NHL insider John Shannon on an Oilers game day the team continuing an eastern-ish road swing in Philadelphia tonight Flyers have had a rocky season to say the least some additions in the last couple of off seasons uh, just not suiting up and when you're without the likes of a Sean Couturier for example he's a, a real heart and soul piece of that team and and uh, it's there there's a team in in a bit of a rebuild John how would let me ask you this just straight up how would 
you assess where the Flyers are at right now in terms of that cycle, as it were? Well, I mean, I, I think they are... I don't think they found their mojo yet at any level. You know, what was interesting last week, Brendan, was that uh, they penned a letter to all the season ticket holders in Philadelphia talking about the the reality of where the Flyers are. And it was it was not written by the president of the club. It was not written by the general manager of the club. It was penned by or signed by John Tortorella. And for the coach to be the spokesperson for the organization, I found very interesting. Um, he's obviously more popular in Philadelphia than the general manager is at this point, Chuck Fletcher. Um, and, and what John has done for this organization in so many ways has been, you know, as positive as could possibly be under a very trying circumstance. He's been very open, very frank with management, with the fans, with the media. Uh, he squeezed a lot out of this team. Uh, but this team has, you know, their young prospects have not really come through in the last two or three years the way that was expected. Carter Hart has kind of hit a wall in so many ways. Um, you know, they're, they, are, they are still a team in a transition, and they've admitted it. You know, it was, in many ways, that letter was penned by Tortorella. is no different than the letter that was written by Glenn Sather and Jeff Gordon for the Rangers well, was that three or four years ago? And look where the Rangers are today after being honest with their fans. Yeah, uh, fair to say. I, I agree with you that it's interesting that it came from the coach. And, and as you know, John Tortorella is very outspoken, and, and we know that he can sort of be that uh, face of a team in, in that sense. So it's probably a good thing that he's been there to be the lightning rod in a lot of ways. Though I, I wonder, and, and we heard uh, Olivia Reiner talking about this in the previous segment. I mean, is there consternation among the fan base that they didn't press harder for a Johnny Goudreau? Would you agree with that? Well, they had no cap space. I mean, Chuck Fletcher, his hands were absolutely tied. He had no way that Goodrow could fit into anything that they were trying to do in the summertime. When you know, and, and, and look at look at the histrionics that uh, that other teams tried to do. I mean, Lou Lamorello couldn't get Goodrow under the cap. The only team that really tried that would have probably had the possibilities were the Devils. But Chuck was in a no-win situation. You know, Goudreau's a local kid from South Jersey. People love him there. There was always this lore that he was going to come home. But when you don't have the cap space and the, and the cap has been flat as it has been for the last two or three years, that, that, put, uh, that put Chuck Fletcher in a very difficult spot. So I, 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 as much as I understand the fans' angst about it, I think you have to sometimes look at it by, by who, who handcuffed who handcuffed Chuck Fletcher over the last two or three years in order to uh, in order to be ineffective in signing Goudreau, and, and that was the previous management. All right, John, appreciate the time. I didn't ask you any Oilers questions. We'll save all that for your uh, your hit on the face-off show coming up in a couple hours, okay? 
Have a great day, Brendan. Awesome. Thanks, John. John Shannon, our NHL insider for our friends at Legacy Heating and Cooling. I mentioned uh, Olivia Rayner. She was our headliner today for Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It's the best you've ever tasted. Search for W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. We're back to wrap up the show after this. Quickly into this day in Oilers history, it's brought to you by New West Travel. Travel to California this April. See the Oilers, play the Kings and the Ducks. Call New West Travel or visit newwesttravel.com. We go back to 1993. Shane Corson, two goals and an assist as the Oilers beat the Kings 6-3 at the Great Western Forum. Rob Blake ejected for a high stick. Ejected for a high stick in the second period before Marty McSorley was shown the with two seconds left for spearing. Wayne Gretzky had uh, two assists against his old team. Let's sneak in at least part of a conversation that Cam Moon had earlier today with Oilers forward Warren Fogle. Warren, first of all, uh, you guys start off this road trip uh, with a victory against the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, your thoughts on, on that game and how the team played? Um, you know, happy that we got the win. Um, you know, coming off break there, you know, I think everyone has a little bit of jitters. And, um, you know, I thought we got our legs going eventually. And, you know, it was a little chippy game. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think that brought the best out of us. And, you know, now we're focused on tonight. And, um, you know, it should be a good test. When it gets physical like that, when the emotion ramps up, um, how does that help, you know, galvanize the team? I think it just brings everyone involved into the game, right? You see one of your teammates into a battle. And, you know, you're always rooting for your teammates. And, um, you know, you kind of get that extra pep in your step, right? Like everyone is now brought into the battle. You know, it's, it's kind of like the saying, you're just brought into the war, right? So, uh, you know, I think it keeps everyone on their toes. And, um, you know, I think I think we like playing like that. A couple of goals for you in that game. Well, what were the, the keys to your success in that one? Yeah, I just think, uh, you know, the last couple of games, I've just been shooting the puck a lot more and uh, going to the right areas. And, you know, I was fortunate enough, uh, you know, got a great pass from New and um, the other one just going to the net. So I think just going to the net and, you know, trying to, you know, get more pucks on net, uh, you know, good things should happen. Cam Moon here with Warren Fogle. Warren, you you grew up in the Toronto area. Uh, You're very similar in age to to Connor McDavid. I know you guys had... uh, you know history growing up. Tell me about when, when you were you were young. You're playing minor hockey. Uh, you, you see Connor out there and and how good he was. Let me know like what it was like at, at that age and uh, what level he was at. Yeah, uh, he played up a year, right? Yeah. So he, I've seen a lot of them uh, throughout my childhood. I guess playing against him and you know playing with him too when we were younger. But yeah, from a young age, he was always uh, one of the best, and he definitely took off as a. Uh, when we were probably like 15 then you really knew who he was right like you knew he was something was really special about him and um, yeah it's kind of crazy how you know our paths have kind of intertwined uh, you know you know talking with Stu and, and Benson it's kind of cool for them as well right that they played with yeah. each other and yeah. you know they're all on the same well you know they played with each other in Edmonton here so you don't really hear much of that so it's kind of cool that you know I got to play with uh, you know Connor when we were little and then obviously here as well. 
Yeah. There you go. That's Warren Fogle with Cam Moon. Oilers, Flyers coming up 5 o'clock tonight on 6.30. Ched, City Ford Faceoff Show goes at 3.30 tomorrow. It's Elliot Friedman on from NHL Hockey on Rogers for Abe's Door Service. Up next, a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by Rob Breckenridge from 2 to 3. And then an abbreviated edition of 6.30 Ched Afternoons. Guest host Brad Whisker. It's Brendan Escott. Faceoff Show 3.30. Talk to you later.